Hey, it's Shannon Ballard. If you are new to Southern Mysteries, this is an independent historical true crime and mystery podcast. Thanks to passionate fans who support the show on Patreon, I get to share stories from different Southern states and try to dive in to share stories you may not have heard or share a unique take on the more popular historical true crimes. When you join Patreon, you can access the show archive of more than 60 episodes. Plus, you can support at a level where you access Patreon-exclusive episodes, including this year's patron podcast called Audacious, Tales of American Crimes. Today's episode is an updated and expanded version of a story from the Southern Mysteries Archive that was originally featured in April 2018. If you want to hear all the episodes from the early years of the show, learn more about supporting Southern Mysteries, and join me on Patreon today at patreon.com slash southernmysteries. A wise man once said, family is a haven in a heartless world. But what happens when your family is the heartless world and you have no safe haven? Sisters Caroline Martin, Virginia Wardlaw, and Mary Sneed were the most terrifying examples of the word family. They left a long trail of devastation and death of their family members from Kentucky to Tennessee and Virginia on to New Jersey, where they were implicated in the mysterious death of a young family member. Welcome to Southern Mysteries, exploring history and mysteries of the American South. I'm your host, Shannon Ballard. This is the mystery of the three sisters in black. Family dynamics can be complicated often disappointing when you realize some members of your family can't be trusted or don't want to be part of your life. For some, the only option is to set firm boundaries for themselves, and that can mean walking away from people who hurt you. After all, family can transcend blood relation. It's a title given to the people who love you, stand by you no matter what. Before a young woman named O.C. Sneed, her family members were the ones who robbed her of any chance of freedom in this world and took her life in November 1909. Oshana Sneed, or O.C., as her family called her, was the daughter of Robert Maxwell Martin and Caroline Wardlaw Martin. Robert Martin was a Confederate colonel. He was wounded during combat and survived. Later in the war, he led a Confederate plot to burn New York City to the ground. When the plot failed, he eluded capture and went on to conspire to kidnap Vice President Andrew Johnson. Eventually, Martin was taken into custody and revealed to fellow inmates he had knowledge of the plot to assassinate President Abraham Lincoln and admitted he knew the assassin, John Wilkes Booth. Martin was released, and after the war, he moved back to his native state of Kentucky. 
He became wealthy working in the tobacco industry and was able to build a mansion with stables and grounds that took up an entire block in Wilder Park, a suburb of Louisville. He met and married Caroline Wardlaw. They welcomed two children into the world, a boy and a girl. Robert Martin's grand house mysteriously burned down, and Martin decided to return to New York to work towards recovery of his financial loss. In 1900, there was a series of suspicious deaths in his family. His son tragically fell down steps at the family's home, and the child died a few days later. Robert Martin and his wife were beneficiaries of the child's $22,000 life insurance policy. The Martins used the money to buy a larger home and settled in Manhattan. Soon after their move to Manhattan, Robert Martin began to experience medical issues. Within two months of his return to New York, his neighbors heard a crash and groans. They rushed to the aid of the colonel, who was, by this time, on the ground and unconscious. Neighbors arrived to find his wife, Caroline, hovering over his body, and his daughter, Osi, in tears. The neighbors found it odd that all the wife said was directed to her daughter. She moved in close and said, do not speak about what happened. The colonel died on January 9th, 1901. After Colonel Martin's death, Caroline left Manhattan with O.C. Caroline's sisters, Virginia Wardlaw and Mary Sneed, were educators at Seoul College in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Founded in 1851, the college offered a traditional Southern education for women in cultural studies and social graces. School officials credited the leadership of Virginia Wardlaw and Mary Sneed for the continued growth and success of the school at the turn of the century. Virginia served as president, and Mary helped with administration and enrollment. The sisters were, at the time, two names synonymous with distinction in education and had been described by peers as brilliant women of fine character and gentle demeanor. But the reputation of these sisters would be called into question when Caroline Martin moved to Murfreesboro with her 16-year-old daughter, Osi. In 1903, Caroline purchased the title to the college for $9,000. She transferred title to her sister, Virginia Wardlaw, for $4,000 with a mortgage of $5,000. Caroline's only request was that she manage the school's finances while Virginia and Mary focused on the administration. O.C. Sneed was enrolled in the school, and two of Mary Sneed's sons— John and Fletcher moved to Murfreesboro to join the faculty at Seoul College. Those who knew Virginia and Mary before their sister moved to town said that once Caroline arrived, Virginia and Mary changed, and strange things started to happen. All three sisters began wearing black morning clothes with heavy black veils. Locals took to calling them the Three Sisters in Black. Rumors swirled about strange activity on the college grounds, including the women chanting as they roamed the halls of the school. There were even concerns the three sisters in black were involved in the occult. Rumors about the sisters' strange behavior spread around town quickly. 
a carriage driver the sisters frequently hired to drive them to Evergreen Cemetery, reported the sisters always made him stop at the cemetery's edge while they walked farther into the grounds. One night, he decided to carefully follow them, and he claimed what he saw that night made him feel fear he had never felt in his life. In the dim moonlight, he said he watched the sisters gather around a grave, make gestures skyward, and murmur incantations, which he could not understand. All he knew is how it made him feel. He felt a chill. His whole body shook and he felt evil was near. When word spread about what was happening at the graveyard, some of the young women enrolled in Seoul College asked their parents if they could leave. Students were also concerned about the well-being of Caroline's daughter, Osi, who seemed to be suffering from some kind of illness because she was rarely seen in her first year at the college. Students said they never saw Osi eat, They wondered if she was sick or possibly being forced into seclusion for some reason. Mary Sneed would explain in an interview decades later that everything began to fall apart when they took Caroline and O.C. in at the college. Mary claimed Caroline was insane, and she and Virginia felt they had to take her in out of pity and obligation. That decision led to the reputation of the sisters being ruined, and the once prestigious and respected Seoul College began to lose money due to a reduction in enrollment. The sisters also learned Caroline asked to manage the finances so she could take money from the school. The sisters were forced to transfer ownership of Seoul College and leave Murfreesboro in 1907. Mary Sneed returned to her former home in Oglethorpe, Georgia. Virginia Wardlaw headed to Christiansburg, Virginia, where she became principal of Montgomery Female Academy. Within a few months, Virginia wrote to Caroline and asked her to come work at the academy. Caroline agreed and made the move to Christiansburg with O.C. Caroline wanted to bring more family to Christiansburg, so she recruited her nephew, John Sneed, to teach at the academy. Because of what had happened at Seoul College, John's wife didn't want him to leave home and family and go to work with his aunts. But Aunt Caroline persisted, even begged him to come teach at the academy, and John agreed. John had periods that were low, as his wife described it. Perhaps feeling he could serve a purpose at the college was his motivation for accepting the job and moving the family to Christiansburg. John made the move first. Caroline traveled to meet him and make the journey to Virginia with him by train. At some point in the journey, something went horribly wrong. John Sneed was either pushed off the train near Roanoke, Virginia, or as the train conductor believed, he jumped. Amazingly, he survived. Soon after he began work at the academy, he fell into a cistern. A nearby caretaker heard the commotion and was able to save John from drowning. Weeks later, students and faculty were awakened in the dead of night when they heard screams. They found John Sneed in his bed on fire. 
His bedclothes had been soaked in lamp oil before the clothing was set on fire. This time, there was no saving John Sneed. His Aunt Virginia and Caroline called in an accident, but the people of Christiansburg suspected John Sneed was attempting to take his own life or possibly had been murdered. Once everyone learned John had been insured for a sizable amount of money and the beneficiary was not his wife, it was his Aunt Caroline, they were certain she had killed John. The insurance company opened a brief investigation into John Sneed's death, but in the end, they ruled a candle had somehow fallen into his bed, and it was an accidental death. They agreed to pay out the policy to Caroline, who, along with O.C., disappeared for a while. When Caroline and O.C. returned to Christiansburg, they brought along John Sneed's brother, Fletcher, who was freshly divorced and now married to his first cousin, O.C. Residents of the community found the marriage as bizarre as Caroline's behavior and her sister's defense, especially considering Fletcher and O.C. seemed very cold toward one another. By 1908, the Montgomery Female Academy was overwhelmed by debt thanks to the poor management of the sisters and the students' fear of Virginia and Caroline. Legend says students would awaken at night to find the black-robed sisters standing on each side of the bed, walking silently away with no explanation of why they had been in the room. Some of the girls were so frightened they packed their luggage and went to the train depot to take a train home and escape the sisters. Again, their presence at a college led to a drop in enrollment as students were afraid of what these women would do next. The sisters were again forced to resign their positions. We know that by 1909, Fletcher, O.C., and the three sisters in black had left Christiansburg and disappeared for a while. At some point, they all resurfaced in New Jersey and New York. They resurfaced when they made headlines in November 1909. That's when the family was named in one of the most bizarre and mysterious crimes of the 20th century. On November 29, 1909, police were called to a rundown apartment at 89 East 14th Street in East Orange, New Jersey. A woman, thickly veiled in black, opened the door. She identified herself as Virginia Wardlaw. She led police upstairs to a bathroom where they found the emaciated body of 23-year-old O.C. Sneed. She was found nude, kneeling in the bathtub. Police found a note pinned to her clothing which read, Last year, my little daughter died. Other near and dear kindred, too, have gone to heaven. I long to go there, too. I've been ill and weak for a very long time. Death will be a blessed relief to me in my sufferings. When you read this, I will have committed suicide. My sorrow and pain in this world are greater than I can endure. The note was signed, O.C. Sneed. Police began an investigation into O.C.'s death, and within 24 hours, questions were raised by investigators due to the finding that O.C.'s death occurred at least 24 hours before it was reported to authorities. And O.C. had drowned leaning over the bathtub with only her face in the water. It was also determined O.C. was severely malnourished. 
She weighed only 80 pounds at the time she died, and there were signs of drug abuse. Police questioned the note that was supposedly written by O.C. At first glance, the handwriting did not match O.C.'s handwriting that was on other papers in her apartment. The more police looked into O.C., her mother, her aunts, the more things just didn't add up. Investigators learned these women mistreated O.C., from the time she was born. Eventually, they would learn more about what happened at Seoul College and Montgomery Academy, including the pattern of abuse and mistreatment of O.C. at both of these schools. That pattern reemerged when O.C.'s husband Fletcher abandoned her and left her in the care of her mother and aunts in New York. Fletcher and O.C. had a baby named Mary in 1908, Sadly, the child only lived a few days. The following year, when O.C. was pregnant with their second child, Fletcher left O.C. and moved to Canada. O.C. and Fletcher were living in poverty, and her mother and aunts were close to that state. But once Fletcher left, O.C. had no one to turn to but her mother. Neighbors said one day they saw three women in black show up at O.C.'s place. She left with them and never returned. O.C. was taken to the home the sisters shared in New York. She struggled after Fletcher left and endured a difficult pregnancy. When Dr. William Pettit was called to the sisters' home to care for O.C., he determined she was depressed and suffering from severe malnutrition. He also noted that she seemed afraid of her mother and aunts. Each time he visited, Dr. Pettit found the instructions for O.C.'s care were not followed. The doctor was frustrated, scolded the women for not taking care of O.C., and left. The sisters decided to call in another doctor, who found himself in a very strange position as he tried to care for O.C. He learned her mother and aunts refused to give her food, so he smuggled food in when he would call to check on her. After O.C. gave birth to her son David in August 1909, The sisters refused to let the doctor check in on O.C. He was so worried about his patient, he climbed through a window to check on her. Her Aunt Virginia caught him and threw him out. The doctor later learned the sisters in black had taken O.C.'s baby from her and placed the child in an orphanage. When he asked a lawyer if there was anything they could do to help O.C., he was told no. He wasn't family no action could be taken. O.C. had lost her first baby, been abandoned by her husband, abused by her mother and aunts, and her second child was taken from her against her will. Understandably, her health continued to decline. The sisters called Dr. Pettit in for a visit with O.C. again. When he arrived, Virginia Wardlaw asked the doctor to tell O.C. she was dying and needed to sign a will. The doctor refused and tried to protect O.C. by ordering a nurse to care for his patient in the home, but the sisters removed the nurse within 24 hours. When asked if the sisters planned to pay the $100 bill for his months-long care of O.C., the sisters said they would pay him by making him a $1,000 beneficiary in O.C.'s will if he would just convince her to sign it. Again, he refused and asked the women what they were doing to Osi. He said that she seemed worse and under some sort of trance. 
They explained it must be her depression and told the doctor to leave. Now, O.C. was out of sorts. It was later revealed her aunts and mother were overdosing her with morphine, telling her it was for postpartum pain. The day Dr. Pettit was set to meet with police and report the strange conversation with the three sisters in black, he stopped to check in on O.C. He found the home abandoned. By September, the sisters and O.C. were living in a Brooklyn neighborhood. A New York attorney, Julius Caraba, found himself involved in the strange world of the three sisters in black. When Virginia Wardlaw visited his office, she asked him if he could visit her home, help prepare a will for a dying woman. Caraba agreed, and when he arrived, he saw O.C.'s aunts and mother gathered around her bedside, chanting prayers. Virginia Wardlaw told O.C. that Fletcher was dead, and she was so ill she would soon follow. She asked O.C. if she wanted to make a new will. At this point, the attorney turned to the sisters and told them O.C. didn't need a lawyer. She needed a good doctor and some food. He somehow managed to get the sisters out of the room, and when he was left alone with O.C., she pulled a will she had written from under her pillow. She asked the attorney to make sure everything was in order and make her mother the primary beneficiary. Within a month, O.C. was moved to that rundown apartment at 89 East 14th Street in East Orange, New Jersey. There was no heat or gas to cook food. The apartment had a barrel for a table, one chair, a rug, and two really nasty cots. O.C. died in the bathtub of that apartment. Her tragic death made national news when police learned of the three sisters in black strange behavior in Murfreesboro and Christiansburg, reporters visited the towns to talk to locals who openly shared they believed these women capable of murdering their own family. They said they had done it before. They told reporters they were convinced these women had killed John Sneed to collect insurance money, and the same with O.C. On December 22, 1909, Virginia Wardlaw, Caroline Martin, and Mary Sneed were indicted for the murder of O.C. Sneed. Police arrested Virginia Wardlaw and charged her with homicide. As authorities continued their investigation, they spoke with witnesses who saw more than one female figure in black garb enter O.C.'s apartment in the 24 hours after her death, before police had been notified. Ultimately, the state was able to get their indictment and trial date because of key evidence police found in O.C.'s apartment. They found several drafts of suicide notes signed by O.C. Sneed, but the handwriting matched the writing of O.C.'s own mother, Caroline Martin. Soon after Virginia Wardlaw was arrested, police located and arrested Mary Sneed, Caroline Martin, evaded authorities for over two weeks before she was arrested. Pretrial proceedings were extensive and often disrupted by the outburst and antics of Caroline, who always wore her black veils and black dress. The media covered every moment with daily updates about the sisters in black, referring to the case as the bathtub mystery. 
journalist uncovered a long line of suspicious behaviors by the three sisters in black, including the suspicious deaths of Caroline's husband in Kentucky and her son, along with the death of her nephew, John Sneed, while he was working with the sisters in Christiansburg. The media helped police confirm rumors in Murfreesboro and Christiansburg that there were substantial life insurance policies on OC, totaling over $32,000. The estimated value of those policies today would be just over $900,000. OC had allegedly signed several versions of a will before she died, although no one witnessed her signature. Even the will she handed over to that lawyer, behind the back of her mother and aunts, was already signed. He never witnessed a signature. You may wonder what O.C. had to include in a will that everyone seemed to want, especially considering the state of the apartment where she died. O.C. owned real estate in several southern states, and in storage in the south, she had furniture and jewelry that was very valuable. The death of O.C. and questions surrounding her family's involvement was of particular interest in Virginia due to the family's connection to the state. On December 7, 1909, a Times-Dispatch headline read, Chain of crimes may be unearthed. Insurance policies heaped on members of Wardlaw family. What followed was an article speculating the three sisters in black had been responsible for other crimes, and the sisters were in desperate need of money. Here's a portion of that article. Insurance companies made public today a mass of evidence which showed the death of Mrs. O.C. Sneed came at the very moment when the Wardlaw family was about to be overwhelmed with a pyramid of policies heaped on various members of the family. It was also pointed out the body of young Mrs. Sneed was found dead in a bathtub in a lonely New Jersey apartment on the very day which ended the Wardlaw family's lease on that house. Not only was the insurance on this woman about to lapse because of a staggering load of loans obtained to pay premiums, but the family was found involved in a chain of insurance on three brothers, cousins of the dead woman, all of whom have died or disappeared suddenly. Maximum loans have been made on all of the life insurance policies on O.C.'s life. Two, furthermore, were threatening to lapse on account of failure of the payment on premiums. And at the very time the insurance companies were threatening to wipe out insurance for failure of the payment on premiums, the family was practically starving to death. The Times-Dispatch also reported that just a day before O.C.'s death, Virginia Wardlaw paid the premiums on three $5,000 life insurance policies in O.C.'s name. It also claimed Virginia had attempted to buy chloroform from a local drugstore and that an investigation by reporters revealed O.C. lived in constant fear of her mother and aunts. Journalists carried a lot of weight in this investigation because during the trial, O.C.'s husband Fletcher, who the Sisters in Black claimed had died, was tracked down by a journalist, not by police. Fletcher Sneed was found in a lumber camp in Canada where he had been working under an assumed name. He was investigated as a suspect in O.C.'s death, but police found no incriminating evidence against him. On August 19, 1910, newspapers shared an update 
on Virginia Wardlaw, who was awaiting trial, writing, Virginia Wardlaw has died. Death was due to starvation. The fate of the woman in this respect paralleled that of her alleged victim. Months later, O.C.'s mother, Caroline Martin, faced trial. Despite objections, her lawyers attempted an insanity defense, but the court found Caroline competent. The jury learned that when Caroline was asked by police why she didn't report the death of her daughter immediately, why wait 24 hours, Caroline replied that she was just trying to respect the bathroom privacy of her daughter. But the doctors who had been called in to care for O.C. Sneed provided testimony that proved critical to the case, to proving O.C. Sneed was mistreated by her mother and aunts, and that she lived in constant fear of them. Caroline Martin was found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to seven years in state prison on January 24, 1911. Upon hearing the news, Caroline caused a sensation in the courtroom. She started fighting and screaming that her daughter's death was an accident, and guards had to literally pick her up while she was seated in a chair to carry her out of court and back to jail. Within a year of her imprisonment, prison authorities claimed Caroline was insane and transferred her to the state insane asylum, where, within a few months... She died, apparently of natural causes. Caroline Martin maintained until her death that the death of O.C. was an accident and she was not involved. Eventually, O.C.'s aunt, Mary Sneed, pleaded guilty to manslaughter, and due to the fact there was no evidence of Mary's direct involvement in the death of O.C., she was released on a technicality to the custody of her son, who took her back to his ranch in Colorado. But Mary's story does not end there. She came forward 17 years later and went public about the story of the sad, and as she referred to it, mysterious death of O.C. Sneed. She was interviewed by a Murfreesboro newspaper. The reason Mary came forward was because there was money involved. In 1930, a lockbox was opened at the First National Bank of Murfreesboro, the town where the sisters worked together at Seoul College. No one knows why someone at the bank decided to open the lockbox, but when it was opened, the bank employee found three loose diamonds, two diamond-studded gold brooches, a small black pouch, and one fingerless black mitt. Pinned to the mitt was a tag with a name, Virginia Wardlaw. The diamonds and jewelry inside were estimated at about $2,000, which would be close to $34,000 today. The media once again went crazy over the case of the three sisters in black and the mystery of the content of that lockbox. Who did it really belong to? The sisters? Perhaps another victim? Mary Sneed came out of seclusion to claim the valuables in that lockbox. In an interview with the Murfreesboro News Banner, Mary said she was glad the diamonds had finally been found and went on to awkwardly explain the jewels had been stolen by a student she claimed to know, but refused to identify to protect them. Mary assumed the thief must have had a conscience and decided to deposit the stolen items in a lockbox 
so that they could eventually be returned to the sisters. Since her sisters Caroline and Virginia had both passed, she was the rightful heir. Mary Sneed's explanation was mocked by national papers. No one fell for it. Those who knew the sisters believed the lockbox was an attempt by Virginia Wardlaw to prevent her sisters from squandering the last of the family's wealth. Mary Sneed and two distant Wardlaw family members tried to make a claim to the jewels, but the family owed a lot of money to a lot of creditors from the past, and those creditors stepped up to claim the money to pay off debts. In 1909, journalist Ada Patterson referred to the bathtub mystery and death of O.C. Sneed as a horrible modern ghost story, more dreadful than the most gruesome of tales, and the motive and the cause was money and meanness. For these three sisters in black, money mattered more than life. That much is true. As to their decision to always be dressed in black, the reporter also had a theory on this choice, writing, Perhaps they mourned for loved ones gone or for those they knew were about to go. Southern Mysteries is created and hosted by me, Shannon Ballard. You can find sources for this episode and learn more about the show at southernmysteries.com. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>